Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us, and welcome to our podcast at AntiqueAuctionForum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative. Hi everyone, this is Martin from the Antique Auction Forum, and today we have Coeur Art Auction, Mike Overby on the line. How you doing, Mike? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you, and thanks for joining us today. And uh, let's talk about your company. Now, I had not uh, really heard that much about Coeur until Moran sold for all that money many years ago, and it's just that I wasn't paying attention, but your company's been around for... A good long time, yes. Yeah, this was our twenty seventh auction. We just do we do an annual auction, so our twenty seventh year in business. Mm-hmm. How did you come uh, upon the name Cordelaine, which is hard to spell? Actually, yeah, it is hard to spell. And then, trust me, uh, our original when email first came around, that's how long we've been here. Uh, our original email was Cordelaine Art Auction at CordelaineArtAuction dot com, and we immediately figured out that that needed to be changed quickly. Yeah, but uh, uh, Lane is uh, the town I live in here in Idaho, in the northern panhandle of Idaho, and we uh, originally started the auction in Las Vegas in in at the same time that the national finals rodeo would go on down there. This was back in the eighties, and uh, a lot of western. We thought a lot of western buyers would be there for that, and and it worked out okay for a couple of years, but. Then we decided to move the auction up here to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and we held it here from about 1990 up until 2000 at a resort on the lake up here, and, and it worked out pretty well. But we eventually outgrew the space here. Coeur d'Alene's a small town, and mm. we kind of outgrew the resort. And, in fact, we also, believe it or not, outgrew the airport here because <laughs> coming about 1996 was our first huge sale we did, really put us on the map, and uh, we had so many private jets land from people coming in that it kind of overwhelmed the little airport here. Right. So we started looking around and decided we needed to move to a bigger venue. And one of my partners in the sale, Peter Stremmel, is based out of Reno, Nevada. And so in 2000, we moved it down there to the Silver Legacy Resort, and we've been there ever since, and it's been just great for us. It's also much easier for people to get in. If they're flying in commercial, it's easier for them to fly into Reno than get to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So. Right. Now, the first time I heard about your company, I talked to someone that actually attended in Coeur d'Alene and was saying that, you know, they were saying these big time farmers and people like that all flew in on their private jet and were spending some serious money. on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I also, this is completely out of naivety, but I had heard that uh, several art dealers that got together and formed your company. And yep. it, and uh, Bob Drummond, Peter. He was one of the founding partners. Yes, mm-hmm. he was. He was one of the original three members, and then he retired back in 2005. And I had worked with the guys on the auction since about 1996, and and uh, I took over Bob's partnership in 2005. Mm-hmm. Well, I mentioned earlier about the Thomas Moran that sold for the huge amount of money. What year was that? The big Thomas Moran, uh, I believe that was 2004. 
2004, I believe. I'd have to look at it. It was 2004, 2005 that we sold that big Moran. Yeah, yeah. We've well, sold a few big Morans, to be honest with you. But right. yeah. that, that one that, uh, that, that the mist of, of the Yellowstone piece, I think you're talking about, that brought over $4 million, um, that was back, I, I'm pretty sure that was 2004. That's right. That's right. And what a beautiful piece that was. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, you just recently had an auction. This uh, podcast will be up for, well, at least a few years. But uh, let's talk about the one you just had, because that was a pretty exciting auction. It really was. Our 2011 sale was just last Saturday, and, and it went exceedingly well. I mean, better than we even had hoped. Um, we had a, a a whole slew of major Albert Bierstadt paintings, which was always kind of nice. Um, we had one uh, large format uh, Mount Rainier piece that sold for well over $2 million. Wow. We had a nice Landers Peak, Wyoming piece, which is kind of a quintessential Bierstadt. You know, Rocky Mountain paintings always do well. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, to put it in contents, we had it estimated to sell for six six hundred to nine hundred thousand, and it brought over a million eight. So that was pretty good. Wow. And uh, the other two did well too. And then we also had our bread and butter, which is Charles M. Russell. Charlie Russell is the artist that we really specialize in and always have. Almost every major Russell that's ever gone to auction has come through our firm, and I think we have seven or eight of the top ten prices ever for him. Um, but our cover piece on our catalog was a, a real nice Russell watercolor called Dangerous Sport, and that sold for about a million three. Or actually, no, it sold for a million, a little over a million four. And uh, we had another nice Russell oil that brought the exact same price. It was a million four, wow. a little bit over with the juice. Yeah. So yeah, we were real happy with those. Yeah. But uh, strong sale overall. We had about a 93% sales rate, which oh. even back in the days, you know, the, the, the go-go days of the 2007, 2008 <laughs> years, um, I think our best sales rate ever was 95%. So to get a 92, 93% rate, you know, in, in today's market, we're very happy with that. Well, I have to tell you, um, that's almost an unheard of uh, sale through in almost any auction, never mind an art auction. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, generally speaking, you hear of them in the 80s uh, is considered a very good sell-through. Yep, yep. Well, one thing we've always done, and it's it's easier said than done, but it's one thing we've really done, and this year we I think we got back to it, really stuck to our guns, is we've always been known for for putting conservative estimates on pieces. You know, we mm-hmm. don't we don't stretch on our estimates. Now, once in a while we've had to, but but for the most part we don't because we just feel it's better to to put a piece in with a conservative estimate and let the market tell us what the thing's worth, and that's always been a proven formula for success for both us and our consigners. Um, if, if people wanted too high of estimates, you know, this year we were, we were real tough on just, you know, letting them go elsewhere. We, we figured it was better to, to pass on those. So um, that's why year in and year out, we always average above a 90% rate um, because that's how we do business. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a psychology. I've talked about this a number of times up on this podcast. There is a psychology of a a reserve or, or I should say an estimate too high the people do not oh, yeah. get into play on it um, yeah and uh, they may have bid what it's estimated or even a lot more but um, they like to get in you know at a uh, they they got to get involved first exactly exactly and yep, a lot of times right. a high estimate will turn people off they won't even attempt yep exactly yeah. you're you're spot on on that yeah so. 
the theme, um, you, you have more, more of a, a Western theme uh, in your auctions, but you do sell other pieces as well. Is that right? Oh, yes, we do. We've, we've done many things. In fact, we, we even in 2007, I think it was, we handled a large collection and estates of, of French Impressionist paintings even. So we've, we've, we've done just about everything over 27 years. Our, our bread and butter, of course, is the, the traditional Western, but, uh, but we've, we've done it all. Um, oddly enough, one painter that we've become quite good at selling is Montague Dawson, who oh, was yes. the famous English marine painter. Exactly. And we had a good client years and years ago that, that had a large collection of great Dawsons, and, and he wanted us to handle them for him. And we said, boy, I don't know if we can sell, you know, uh, sailing ships, but we'll, we'll sure give it a try. And his collection was quite extensive. And so every year we'd sell, you know, three or four of his paintings. And we kind of got known, uh, believe it or not, throughout England and things. A lot of the European dealers, you know, caught on to us, and uh, we got pretty good at selling Dawsons. That collection's long, long since, you know, been depleted, but we still get consignments in. And this year we had one really nice uh, Dawson oil, and it brought a, a big, big price. You know, we thought it would sell in the forty, fifty thousand dollar range, and I think it went for around one hundred and thirty or so when the dust settled. So, wow. so yeah, we, we we can we can handle just about anything. Yeah, yeah. You talked earlier about the, uh, you know, the I forget exactly what you said, the glory days pre-2007, um, sure. and, and I was very involved in uh, auctions at that time, and it, everything was a no-brainer. It just, you know, sold for yep. plenty of money, and you could kind of rationalize what was going on. But now you can't really rationalize but that all that much, but the thing that I've seen is it seems like the better pieces are, are still holding on. You know, the people that have the money in that upper level seem to be at play um, with all the really good pieces. What is your take on that? Yeah, I think you're right on that. I mean, of course, the the, the absolute you know top notch blue chip artists such as the Charles Russells, Frederick Remingtons, Bierstadts, etc. Um, when a great painting comes out, you know, good market or bad, there's there's always people lined up to buy those, unless you've just estimated it to the moon, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but those that that market is is a pretty steady market. I mean, a great great painting is always going to find a home. Um, right. But that that's what we've been more worried about lately. Is is more the lower end to mid end mid range of the market um, that has been the softest end you know lately and you know in our 08 let's see our 09 and 010 sales we really saw that but this year you know even the lower end and mid range pieces um, were selling quite strongly across the board and I, I think that is due to the you know our our, our conservative estimates of course um, but we finally it, it's been hard the last couple of years to really you know, when a painting comes in in November, you put an estimate on it, and then the market had gone down by July. Uh-huh. So now I think the market is really stabilized, and it's much easier to estimate things properly. And you know, we're kind of back to being able to do a, a regular business now. So, so that's a good sign, especially in that lower to mid mid range mm-hmm. of the market. Mm-hmm. Now you have one auction a year, and this year I saw it was around sixteen million dollars. Yeah, about sixteen point eight million, a little above right now. Yeah, so um, which uh, uh, anyone in the auction business that's listening knows uh, how hard it is to uh, get those numbers, even if you're having a very good auction once a month. Uh, sure. Yeah, uh, when someone is going to consign to you, what is your general uh, deadlines as far as? Um, I mean, well, here's a, a two-part question: 
Um, do you save things for like another year if it comes in, if you know you have other similar pieces coming for it? And for a person that may be interested in consigning a really nice piece to you, um, what is your, your schedule and deadlines for that? Well, we don't. We wouldn't typically save a piece by design like that um, for a future sale. The one time we do is is we often work. You know, in fact, we are working, of course, with estates. You know, some large collections like that Montague Dawson collection I mentioned mm-hmm. in years past, where there's just too many paintings to sell in one one auction, and so we'll do that as a multi-year project, of course. Um, so, but typically on an individual painting basis, there wouldn't be any reason to wait, you know, to try to out, trying to outsmart the market a year or two from now, that's an exercise in futility. So if you figure out how to do it, let me know and I'll buy your book. (laughs) But um, no, we don't do that. Our our, our time schedule for taking pieces in, we always do the sale at the end of July and we typically fill up, we, we do about 300 items and we don't like to do much more than that. It gets a little long if we do that. So there have been years that we filled up by the end of March and pretty much called it a wrap. There are other years that, you know, we've taken pieces all the way till the end of April. Um, but usually end of April is, is about the cutoff date. Now, most, most savvy consigners will get them in much earlier than that because if they get them in at the beginning of the year or even in the fall, they can take advantage of all our advanced marketing, you know, advertising we do in the magazines, things like that. Right. So I'm going to ask you two questions here. First of all, Who's your buyers and who's your sellers? So let's start out. Um, who who buys uh, Western art? The Western art buyers that we have are from all over the country. Um, I mean, we have just as many that live in downtown New York City as we do, you know, Casper, Wyoming, hmm. um, and and all across, you know, Florida to California, you know, even Canada. Um, the one thing they all seem to have in common is many of them, even if they live, let's say, in New York, there's a good chance that they have a ranch, you know, in Wyoming or Montana, somewhere out in the West where probably the paintings are going to be shipped to and, and hang there. Um, but they all they all have a love for the West for one reason or another, and that's why they come to our sale. The one thing we don't have people, you know, you read about all the, the Asian buyers and things now, mm-hmm. China and, and, and even Europe and things like that. Right. It, because of our market, because it's, you know, the Western art market is such a niche, we don't have a large international following. We, we have a couple European buyers, but not, not, a, not a lot. It's mostly, mostly Americans and Canadians. Canadian buyers. Uh huh. Uh huh. And who are your sellers? Do you do well? First of all, do you get estates as well? Estate. We, we yes, yeah, so we work with a lot of estates. That's always been a big part of our business, and uh, we get the paintings. They they come to us from a different place every time. It seems like we get you know predominantly they come they come from private collectors around the country. Um, we also do work with a lot of major museums: the Amon Carter Museum, uh, the Autry in Los Angeles, uh, the Idle Jorg in in Indianapolis. Um, you know. All the major major museums around we work with on on helping them deaccession things too, so you know mm-hmm. a different place every time. Mm-hmm. Now a couple of uh, uh, questions that came to mind is, uh, uh, say someone buys something at an auction, so it already has a presence on an online service, uh, stating that it went through an auction at a certain price. Um, do you stay away from those, or do you 
feel it doesn't really yes we, we we typically do um you know if a painting has just recently been through auction uh you know there's not much sense putting it through another one right away especially mm-hmm. if it's something that hasn't sold you know or something like that um so we don't get very many consignments because of that we don't get a lot from dealers and galleries and things um you know paintings that have have kind of been out there on the market don't tend to do as well at auction and so we typically kind of shy away from those things um my my sort of rough rule of thumb for people is if a painting's been to auction you know you should probably wait at least about five years before bringing it back out again now there are exceptions of course but but as a general rule i think that's pretty good advice to follow I do too, and um, you are the second person that I've heard the exact thing from the five-year rule. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, interesting. And let's Good. talk a little bit about. I I am from the New England area and uh, ran auctions, the family business back here, and then I spent a lot of time in California, back in New England currently. But um, here in New England, people love to see a grimy painting, like fresh out of an estate. <laughs> what is your uh, what is it like with uh, Western art as far as restoration and cleaning? You know, we, we love that exact thing. I mean, many of the paintings we get come from, you know, the, the, best, the, the best provenance we can get is when it comes from an old family that bought the painting directly from the artist back in, you know, 1910 up in Montana, and uh, it's been in the family ever since, and then we get it from them. And, and, yeah, oftentimes it'll have a ratty old frame on it, and it'll be a layer of grime over the surface, and uh, we have a full in-house, you know, restoration and framing, you know, for facility and so we take care of all that stuff if it needs it. Now oftentimes, you know, I, I don't mind and our clients don't mind a painting with a little wear and tear on it. You know, we we tend to err on the side of not doing any work to it if we can and then we let the end buyer make that decision. But obviously if it if it, you know, has a layer of grime on it and you need to clean it, that's easily done and and putting a new frame on something is always easy too. So mm-hmm. so we do some of that if as needed. Well, I know like for instance, uh a Remington, the best place to get that looked at is uh, the Cody Museum. Exactly. And uh, not really sure about a Russell, but uh, what what type of things do you do pre-auction to the major pieces? Do you... We do that, of course. Like, you know, a Remington, if, when we're selling a Remington, of course, we need to cross-check it and make sure it's, you know, been through the catalog raisonne at the, mm-hmm. at the museum in Cody. And, and so we work with, you know, we'll, we'll help the, the clients out with that. If it needs to go through the committee, then we, we work on that, of course. And uh, same with Russell. Russell, it's the, the University of Oklahoma who runs the catalog raisonne there. So mm-hmm. we work closely with all those type of institutions, you know, to, to work on paintings and uh, – you know, make sure everything's all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Right, and so that that would need a lot of lead time for something like that. It does. Like for example, the the Remington committee only meets about twice a year. So if uh, you know, once in November and once in the spring. So you know, if you miss it, you'd miss being able to sell. You know, in that auction season. So yeah, there's a lot of lead time. You know, that's why I say that the savvy consigners get them into us early because you know there's a lot of legwork that often needs to be done on these pieces. Now, do you also sell Remington sculptures? We do, yes, yes. We've sold many, many Remington bronzes over the years, and 
both Remington and Russell. We we tend to not focus too much on bronzes other than the Remington and, and Russell and, and then only lifetime castings. We don't touch those later recastings and decorative pieces. But, uh, but we've done other sculptors, too. In fact, this year we just got done uh, representing the estate of Harry Jackson, the famous Western sculptor that just oh, yeah. uh, passed on a couple of months ago. And uh, he was from Cody, Wyoming. But we sold about 15 of his pieces in the sale this year, some of his top pieces, which came right out of his museum, the Harry Jackson Museum in Cody. So, nice. so it really blue-chip Western sculptors we do sell. Um, the more decorative pieces we shy away from. Now, do you sell any living artist pieces? We do. We've got about 25 contemporary artists, and they're the real top-notch, you know, blue-chip contemporaries working today. And they're invited, each one is invited to submit one piece for the auction, and so they tend to do some of their best work of the year, you know, for us. And so we do just a handful of, of top-notch contemporary work. It's not our focus, but, but we do we do have that end of our business as well. Is there any friction between the gallery representing the contemporary artist and what the prices will fetch at auction? Well, you know, there's two sides to every coin. When when a contemporary artist's work goes through the roof, then the galleries think we're tell us we're heroes, and if uh, a price goes under, then we're the goat all of a sudden. Yeah. But uh, you know, take the good with the bad. And for the most part, because these guys, like I say, they they spend a, a little extra time normally on the pieces they do for our sale. Uh, most of them are usually pretty happy with the prices, and in, in fact, you know, we've helped them raise their markets over the years. Definitely more than we've heard them, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. We also do a thing, a, a collector's choice award, where the people that come to the auction and come to the preview can actually vote on which contemporary piece they like the best. And then the winner of that, that gets a $10,000 award. So it's a nice little wow. thing for the artist, and, and I think it makes them do better paintings for us, too. Right, and so. good PR for all the way around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, what would you say to someone who walks into one of your auctions to say, I want to invest in art? Uh, I'd say hold on to your wallet a little bit. Um, yeah, as you know, I mean, art can be a wonderful investment, you know, in two ways. It can be great because you enjoy the artwork. It hangs on your walls for many years. That should be the real, real reason for buying. Yes. Um, but as we all know, there's been some you know, small and large fortunes made buying and selling art, too. So there is that aspect of it. Um, but to just try to jump in and, and, and to get in, into it purely for the investment standpoint, I'd say you're better off buying stocks or something else. I mean, you know, somebody that tells you they can make you, you know, a million bucks buying paintings, you, you better beware a little bit. Right. Um, make sure you're buying for the right reasons. Because markets, just like any other market, you know, the art market goes up and the art market goes down. So, yeah. um, and you really need to know what you're doing. You know, I mean, even professionals in this business lose money on paintings quite often. So, uh, you know, right. you got you got to know what you're doing on that. That's solid advice. And, um, you know, the reason I posed the question like that is because I've heard uh, a number of people stating the fact that a lot of people are taking their money out of the, the market and mm -hmm. investing in things like art. And uh, uh, and the number one thing I wanted to hear you say, and you said, was, uh, first of all, you got to like it first. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you may be living and, with it. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that is viable. And, and I hear that a lot, even more so today, where people say, you know, with, you know, they're nervous about the stock market and, you know, they're nervous that inflation might be on the horizon. And, and so they're buying paintings. And, and that does make a little bit of sense. Uh, you know, me personally, I, I don't buy many stocks. I, I put most of my money into paintings in my own collection. And, you know, some I make money on if I sell them, some I don't. But, but I do get to enjoy I'd rather have something hanging on the wall of my living room I can look at every day, and then when I sell it down the road and make a buck, it's even better. But you know, it's to me that's more more fun than uh, than buying stocks and just looking at them on the computer or something. Yeah, there's also the other adage to that too that I always hear that dealers live with their mistakes. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I'm living with a few. <laughs> <laughs> the flip side to that is dealers also can cherry pick a couple good things for their own collection. So That's once true. again, it evens out. But no, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think the future is going to be? Uh, not necessarily of your company, but of the type <clears throat> of uh, art we just mentioned. Uh, the trends, the ups and downs. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think the uh, Western theme is going to maintain strong? I, you know, I think it will. I mean, our market, you know, it's been going fairly strong for about 100 years now. And uh, the the one main thing with these paintings, and it's not unique to the Western market, but anything, is most of these these major paintings by, let's say, Charlie, Charlie Russell and Frederick Remington, you know, so many are in museums and institutions now that there are very few left, you know, great paintings left to, to change hands privately. Um, so right. I, I think we're, you know, on each year, a couple of more paintings go to a museum, and those are basically off the market possibly forever. So um, I think you'll continue to see the prices for the great works, uh, you know, hold up pretty well. Um, but uh, but our market in general, I mean, I, I think it will remain. It's such a niche market that we don't see quite the highs during the good times that, let's say, the modern impressionist market does. Um, but then we also don't see quite the lows either. So it's a, it's a fairly just steady market that kind of bumps along and rises a little bit each year if you average it all out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of times the statement that, you know, a lot of major artists, say like Russell and Remington, they have only a handful of what would be considered their masterpieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, if And then if it comes up at auction, it surprises everybody. Oh, as, yeah. As far as you know, are any of these pieces in private hands, or do you think all, like, the masterwork is already... Oh, some of the masterworks? No, mm-hmm. no. There's plenty of masterworks by Russell still out there in private hands, some some that we've sold and some that, you know, we just know about, of course. Um, but there, you know, there's... I, I'm not saying they're all in museums. There's still plenty out there that would be considered masterworks, but, but they're getting fewer every year. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Now, uh, we talked earlier a little bit about authenticating... Um, and a lot of times I like to talk a little bit about fakes, not focus on it, but mm-hmm. um, they're part of the business. And uh, oh, yeah. would you say, have you ever seen a really, really good fake of a, like a Remington or a Russell? Oh, we've seen many good fakes of Russell's. Yeah, there's there's some pretty good ones out there. Um, you know, some that have even fooled some of the experts, you know, to for a short amount of time. Wow. But yeah, we've we've seen some good ones out there. Fortunately, you know, Russell is probably one of the, well, he is the most faked Western artist ever. I mean, we see almost 
almost daily I get a, you know, somebody emails me a photo of a fake that they picked up at a garage sale or something like that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time they're prints that were done on canvas. They did do those and people think they're original paintings. And, you know, there's a whole slew of that. So yeah, you, you really have to know what you're doing in this market and, you know, buy from people that know what they're doing and stand behind their work. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of the things I've, uh, I, I believe in and see if you feel the same way, you have a certain budget you want to buy uh, art by a certain artist. Um, you're, my theory is you're better off, instead of buying 10 mediocre works, is to buy one really good work by the artist. What's your thoughts on that? You you absolutely hit it on the head, and, and this even goes back to my days when I had my I had a gallery for 11 years before I got in the auction business, but that's exactly it. I always try to get people, especially if they're new to, to buying art, you know, their, their inclination sometimes right off the bat is I want to buy a lot of paintings. I want to buy 10 paintings at this sale, and I always recommend, you know, you know exactly, set your budget, and then let's focus on maybe two or three really good examples of an artist's work and get those as opposed to 10, you know, mediocre examples. Because if you do that, if, you know, if you start collecting, you buy, even if you only buy two or three good paintings a year, hey, 10 years later, you've got a pretty good collection and, you know, it's going to be something that you'll enjoy. And and there's a case where it'll probably pay off, you know, financially in the end, too. Mm -hmm. If you go out and try to buy too many paintings or buy, buy mediocre ones because you think they're cheap, you'll end up with, you know, that type of collection in the end, too. Yeah. I think you. I consider that the difference between a gatherer and a collector. Yep. You know, exactly. the, re- the refinement of it. Yep. Well, this has been great. Uh, it's uh, It's been a real, really a lot of fun talking to you today. And someone would find your website. I have it, cdaartauction.com. You got it. You got it. And uh, your offices are now, lo- are they located in more than one location? Yes, there are three of us that are partners in the auction, and my office is located in Hayden, Idaho, which is just basically a suburb of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And my other partner, Peter Stremmel, is based out of Reno, Nevada. And then the third partner is Stuart Johnson, who has Settlers West Gallery in Tucson, Arizona. I see. Now, uh, would consignments be accepted at any of the locations? Most, uh, about eighty percent of the consignments come through through myself in the in the Idaho office. If if people are calling for consignments, um, they they would want to call the Idaho office direct. I see. And by the way, I've heard that the area there, Coeur d'Alene area, is just amazingly beautiful. Oh yes, it's it's nice. It's big big mountains and big lakes, and you know we're as the crow flies. We're only 100 miles or so from the Canadian border, and you know, and then Banff, of course, is right across there. So it's a absolutely wonderful area if somebody wants to come out and visit. Yeah, yeah. All right, you might even find a uh, Montague Dawson there. <laughs> they they might. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much. Uh, you've okay. been a real pleasure, and uh, really nice talking to you. All right, thank you. Yeah, this is Martin Willis with uh, Mike Overby from Coeur d'Alene Art Auction, and we're signing off.